0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given by Tom Job on Sunday morning, March twenty sixth, two 2023, on the Gospel of Luke.
1: During the Sundays of Lent, for the last little bit, um, I just had gotten kind of a thought about the idea that... Um, I'm learning to lean into Lent more than I ever did, and so there's a place where Jesus said that, um, that He didn't come to serve but to be served but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many, and the word ransom means a purchase. And so He bought us. And I've just been kind of thinking about the question, how do I ask the question, Is Jesus getting from me what He wanted when He bought me? So I ju- I, it's a question that I've been k- kind of um, making giving to the people who wrote the Gospels. Like Matthew, what does Jesus want for me? And I just have been reading it. Mark, what does Jesus want for me? So today I just want to think about that question. Luke, what does Jesus want for me? So. In chapter 15 of Luke, it said that the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them a parable. Suppose that one of you had a 100 sheep and you lose one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? when he finds it, he joyfully puts it up on his shoulders and goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors and says rejoice with me I have found my lost sheep and I tell you that in the same way there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need to Lord Jesus oh man I just I want oh, I, I want to have a heart that wants to know what you want from me And I need help in understanding it. And so I just ask you to help all of us to have an open mind and an open heart to a big, big question. What do you want from me? Help us in your precious name. Amen. So um, until I was like 19, the most The most violent movie I had ever seen in my life was um, West Side Story, and it was the part where uh, Riff gets a knife handle in the stomach. I mean, it was just, I know it was just a knife handle, but um, I was just shocked, and I thought, I can never unsee this. He got a knife handle, like, right into his stomach, but it's a it's it was a story about gang warfare so what did you expect buddy when you went to see something like that but the only thing about it is even though it was about gang warfare more than gang warfare they were mostly dancing and singing and so i didn't really expect you know like you know we're gonna we're gonna jazz it up and have us a ball when we get to rumble we'll rumble them right you know and they're just singing and dancing so I actually love like like, like the the, the big like musicals and classic musicals there are and the other ones where they can tell you such a big story in so little time and you learn a lot and you feel a lot and so Lee told me that I needed to listen to Hamilton you know and so I thought okay so I listened to Hamilton and you're just laughing, and then you're shouting, and then you're crying, and it's just like, how did you do this to me? And they and I learned so much. I learned about the Federalist Papers, which I really, I knew they were a thing, but I didn't know what. And I learned about dueling, and the rules of it, and the 10 dual commandments, and I learned why Alexander Hamilton was on our money, and I thought, if they made a hip hop musical about everybody famous, I would have gotten a lot more out of middle school because I really wasn't. I thought, like, what if they had done that to Abraham Lincoln? You know, and, um, I thought a little bit about that. Um, do you want to hear it? Okay, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. Um, I'm calling it Lincoln. Okay, ready? Bump, ba da dum, bump, bump, ba da. How does a country? bumpkin son of a grump drop into a forgotten spot in Kentucky grow up to be the, grow up to be the POTUS from the holler the five dollar and that's kind of where I stop with that but, that, but, but you know there was a, um so one of my favorite Well, one of my, you know, like you learn about history, you learn about literature. Like there is one that won like a million awards. It was called uh, The Man of La Mancha, and it really tells the story of Don Quixote. And Don Quixote was just, he was a a person who was going through dementia and was delusional, and he thought he was like a knight, and he was going to fight for virtue, you know, so good cow I can't but so there's this song he sings and it's called the impossible dream and it's just you know like this is my dream to dream the impossible dream to fight the unbeatable foe to bear with unbearable sorrows to run where the brave dare not go to write the unrightable wrong to love pure and chaste from afar to try with your last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable star. This is my quest and to follow that star no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right, without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. And I walked in my house last week, and I was singing that, and Tina said, are you singing your little theme song and I thought that's it. Well, I do feel that way. I I I want to march into hell for a heavenly cause. I want to I do uh, I want to be that guy and Lee would say it's because you're a number 9 on the Enneagram and I would say I think all Christians should feel that way and he said all number 9s think that but there there was a um So um so my favorite musical, it's, it's about uh, there's a girl and she uh, is having a conversation with somebody significant in her life. And all of a sudden, she busts out into this song. It's kind of unexpected. But it's about a day that's coming, a day of justice on this earth, and a day of judgment, and a day where the high and mighty are going to be pulled down off their thrones and the lowly are going to be lifted up and all the hungry we're not going to be hungry anymore and after a few minutes there's an, another man and he starts to sing about the day that is coming when our enemies are going to be vanquished and those who hate us and the sun is going to rise and a new day is coming and Tomorrow we'll discover what God in heaven has in store. No, but that um, it's not really lamez, but it actually comes from Luke chapter one, and and Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two. It's just a musical. Like there are four there are four people or groups who at a certain point just bust into singing. Mary was. Um, you know, a 12 or 13-year-old girl who got the message that she was going to be pregnant with the Messiah. And she just, and she went to see her cousin, and she just burst into this song. And it wasn't about the baby Jesus, um, you know, away in a manger, no crib for his bed, Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven. It wasn't about that at all. It wasn't about the baby at all. It was about the day of justice that is coming to this earth. And those of us who are poor and hungry aren't going to be poor anymore. And um, in Latin, her song is called The Magnificat. It's in Luke chapter 1. And Zechariah sings a song about a new day coming and our enemies are going to be defeated, and it's called the Benedictus. And then in the next chapter, the angels sing, and their song is called the Gloria, and then an older guy named Simeon burst into a song, and his song is called Nunc Dimittis and you think where is all this music coming from like where how are music music bursting out of these people's hearts this way and how did how did music just come that that one particular song just come busting out of a 12-year-old girl's heart and the reason is because they were people who had a heart Full of the Holy Scriptures. And so, and she was a young girl who knew, th- there's, um, her heart was full of the words of the prophets. Scholars have estimated that in her few lines that she sang in that song, she made 12 to 35 indirect quotations from the prophets of the Old Testament, including a prophecy of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And when your heart and your mind is filled with the scriptures, when something happens or when you hear news that you don't expect, you know how to see it. Because the scriptures in your heart tell you how to see it. I mean, I don't really have a heart like that, but I did have an experience once. So when we went to to when we moved to Italy and we lived in Florence, Italy for the first year, because we were learning the Italian language, and so and we were going to school, and it was really, really difficult. And I got an idea that maybe if I had some like verses in the Italian from the Italian New Testament and I could say them to myself, I read them and see them, I say them. And I hear them when I say them, and it's just kind of going around, maybe that would be a good thing to do. So I started with the book of Philippians, and I, I tore it out of my Bible, and I went, every day when I went jogging, I would, I would say it to myself. You know, Philippians chapter one, io rendo grazie al mio Dio di tutto tu, tu, ricordo che di voi. And I would say it over to myself, and after a day or two, oh, I know that. I think I'll go on to the second one. So I went to the second one, and then I learned the second one, and then I went to the third one, and in about 35 days, I could say the entire book of Philippians, in Italian. It takes 45, well, I won't do it, but It just goes on and on like that, but, so I kept going, and I did the same. Anybody can do it. A little bit every day becomes a lot. If you're just determined to do a little bit every day and say it over to yourself, you could learn an entire book of the New Testament in a month. So then I learned the book of Ephesians. And I could say this, Benedetto, si Dio, Padre no senor. That, that goes on too for a long time. And so I could say the whole book of Ephesians. And, so, and they lived in my heart. And so we used to come home. The first, well, the first time we ever came home, it was after four years. Then we'd come home every other summer. And one summer we came home. And it's funny, there was some books that were coming out. We didn't know about it. Everybody was reading it. And they were, a lot of, they were about the devil. And people were talking a lot about the devil. A guy had written some books and said, you know, you can have spiritual influences and get like, the influence of evil spirits that maybe you got from your grandparents or your great grandparents. They call it an ancestral spirit. It can be passed down to you. So you could be kind of struggle spiritually and you don't know why. And it's because you've received this ancestral spirit from your grandparents and great grandparents. And, and you have to say this certain prayer and da, da, da and you i mean it just seemed like everybody was talking about that like the devil and what he could do to us and all that stuff i went to a prayer meeting one time some girls had run away and nobody knew where they were and some people were gathering to pray over in west knox when i went and somebody said we were praying praying da 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 and then somebody said satan you can't have these girls we claim them in jesus name i was like Okay, I'm going to throw a flag right here. I didn't come here to talk to him. You know what I mean? And it was just weird. But one thing that I understood was, because I had Ephesians in my heart, Paul doesn't talk this way. He never talks this way. He doesn't talk about the devil hardly ever at all. And his prayers, most of his prayers, like in Ephesians chapter 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling, the glorious riches of his inheritance, the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. I pray that you could understand who you are, that you're seated in Christ Jesus and you're powerful in chapter 3. All of Paul's prayers are about all all of Paul's prayers are about your emotional state. In chapter three, I pray that you would be strengthened with power to know the love of God and how much He loves you, and that you would feel it. And Philippians chapter one, that your love could abound. In Romans fifteen thirteen, I pray that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. You know, and so and I thought so. He doesn't talk the way they talk, and I don't like it. And so um, you know what I mean. So. Mary had a heart she was a 12 13 year old girl who had a heart filled with scriptures and filled with the prophets and and that's why she sang the way she sang because the prophets talk about God's vindication of the prophets the Old Testament the reason maybe we don't Feel it as much is because we don't know those scriptures as much. Could I just read you some? And this is what the heart of God from the prophets. God said, this is what I feel. This is how much I care about the poor and about the fatherless and about widows and about Immigrants who live in your country, those who are far from home, those who are far from happy, those who are far from healthy, and those who are far from wealthy. I'm just going to read you some. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the great God and mighty and awesome. And he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the immigrant residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love the immigrant. For you yourselves were immigrants. He executes judgment for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry and watches over the immigrant and sustains the widow and the fatherless. This is the word of the Lord that came to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer justice, show mercy and compassion. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless or the immigrant or the poor. But they refused to listen, and they stubbornly turned their back and covered their ears and wouldn't listen to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit to the prophets. And when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, said the Lord Almighty. He upholds the the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry, sets the prisoner free, watches over the immigrant, and sustains the fatherless and the widow. Proverbs 31, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Defending the cause of the poor and the needy. Is this not what it means to know me? Declares the Lord. So she had a heart filled with this. So when she got the news that the Messiah was going to come, that was the first thing that she felt. This is going to be a great day for for those who, for the poor, for us, for us who have been so oppressed for so long. Justice is coming to this world. World, and she burst into song about it. That was the first Christmas carol. The, Chris, the only one that really is like that is um, O oh Holy Night, where it has th- that vibe a little bit where it says, chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Because that she knew that was the heart of God. So there's this thing that happens in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus, it was the first, he was starting to become kind of popular and people were starting to wonder whether he is or was the Messiah because he was doing things and people were talking about him and he went to his hometown in Nazareth. Only Luke tells us this story. And he said um, that Jesus went to his hometown and he went to a, a meeting at the synagogue, which were basically Bible study halls where people studied the Bible together. And he stood up because he was being recognized as a rabbi. And he had them turn to Isaiah chapter 61, where he said, And it was a a prophecy of the Messiah who was coming. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the, the poor and the oppressed and to prisoners and captives and to the blind and to those who are broken and shattered. I have come for the poor and the greek word is the word stepped on people who have been stepped on and prisoners and people whose lives are shattered that's who i've come for and then he said this thing that in the days of the prophets elijah there were lots of widows back in the but he was only sent to a widow who was not one of us she was from another country because they matter to God as much as you do. And he said there were lots of lepers in those days, but Elisha the prophet was only sent to a Syrian, a person who is not from us, and he's not, he wasn't like us because they matter as much as you do. And the people in I, it, this scene, I can't imagine it, But they just rose up and said, that is not true. They don't matter as much as we do. And somebody started to push him to Jesus in his hometown, the first sermon he ever gave. And they pushed him. And they pushed him out of the synagogue. And a crowd of them pushed him to a cliff. And they were going to push him off the cliff. This is the first thing that he ever sermon he ever gave. And I thought, this is not starting well, you know. So, Luke in the Gospel of Luke, Luke got his. Um, so, he got all of his information. From Mark, a lot of it from Mark, about a third of the Gospel of Mark winds up in the Gospel of Luke, and Matthew got and, and a lot of it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. But then a lot of the Gospel of Luke he says in chapter one, he got by interviewing people. There was a, he became like a traveling companion of the, of the missionary Paul, and there was a certain point where Paul was arrested in Syria. And for about two years, and I think that was probably a part where Luke took a break and went you know, just down the road to Jerusalem and around and started interviewing people. I can think about him interviewing a 60-year-old Mary and her telling the story and how she went to see her cousin. And just there was a song in me. And it just burst out in me. I can remember the words, do you want to hear it? And he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I want to hear it, you know so but that's where he um so the message of so the gospel of matthew was written to god's people to the jewish people to prove to them that jesus was their promised messiah and he quotes 23 prophecies of the old testament to prove that jesus was the messiah the message of luke is that jesus is the messiah and he's come to be the king of Israel, but the savior of of the world, that he has come to save everyone in the world who wants to be. So Matthew has a genealogy in chapter 1, because a royal king needs a genealogy. And he starts with Abraham, because Abraham was the first one to have the promise that his descendancy and from his family, the Messiah would come. And it goes from Abraham all the way down to Jesus Luke has a genealogy it starts with the baby Jesus in the manger and goes backwards blows right through Abraham this Jesus the Savior of the world came from Buddha all the way to Adam because he's the one who unsaved this whole thing and he's and, and that that's why he's come it says in chapter 2 That of when the angel said to the shepherds, and that story is only in the Gospel of Luke about the shepherds and the angels and all that. But the angel said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And that word, bring you good tidings, in Greek, it's one word. It's the word euangelizo. And it's where we get the word eu means good, angelion means message. And then they make a verb out of it by putting a Z at the end. But it's, it's, it's is exactly our word evangelize. I've come to bring you good news. That word is found in Matthew one time. It's found in Mark zero times. It's found in John zero times. It's found in Luke. 10 times and Luke also wrote the book of Acts which is Luke volume 2 and there it's found 15 times he uses it 25 times his message is good news in chap- but in chapter 4 when Jesus was in his hometown he said I he said the spirit of the lord has anointed me to bring to to bring the good news the good news that you can be forgiven of everything you've ever done do or will do you can have a new heart you could have a new start you can have a place in god's family a place in his home forever i've come to bring that to make that happen and it's absolutely free you can have it if you if you want it you can have it but he came to bring good news primarily but In Luke, it's just a a huge emphasis that it's primarily for people who are poor and who have been stepped on and who are prisoners and who are shattered. Because the good news basically says that we all, it's good news for needy sinners. And that's all of us. We're, We're all that. It's just that some people don't know it. They don't know they're needy. And they don't know they're sinners. But those who are more aware of the first will be more open to accepting the second. And that's why Luke is filled with stories of people that are oppressed and people that are unwanted and people that are stepped on. And it has stories that are not in the other ones about the hated Samaritans and how they become the hero of their story. And about, in a paternalistic society, marginalized women who wind up being braver than any man would be, and stories of people who were had a reputation for being sinners. And they're filled with love and generosity and the story of parties that are thrown for prodigals. Basically, the message of Luke is this. and. Um, the message of Luke is this, is that if you have a 100 sheep and you've lost one, you're going to give your heart to that one until you find it and you love all your sheep. But in some ways, you love that one in a special way because he or she was lost. And now you found it. And so the message of Luke is, I mean, I couldn't really think of any other way to say it except everybody in the world infinitely matters to Jesus. Everybody in the world infinitely matters to him. But in some ways, some matter just a little bit more. Because in the world we live in, they've always mattered less. Jesus infinitely values every human life. Every human life is of infinite value. But in some ways. He values some, just a little bit more, because in the world we live in, they've always been valued less. Everybody in the world is infinitely precious to Jesus, but he is not precious to everyone. So he gives himself a little bit more to those who are likely to want what he has to give. So, um, if um, so, what does Jesus want from me, Luke? What does he want? Um, well. In Luke, in Acts chapter 1, um, so Jesus, his heart goes out to those who are far from home, far from happy, far from healthy, far from wealthy. His heart goes out to the poor and the stepped on and the prisoners and the shattered. In Acts chapter 1, he starts it out by saying, in my other book, I told you about what Jesus began to do. And to teach. In this book, in the book of Acts, Jesus risen from the dead. I want to tell you what he continues to do and to and to teach. They use a phrase in just a matter of minutes where he says, This same Jesus. He's still the same. He still cares about the same thing. In Acts chapter 22, when Paul is kind of telling his story and Jesus appeared to him, and I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who gave that sermon in Nazareth. And I still care about the same things. And the Holy Spirit anointed him to care for the poor and the stepped on and captives and prisoners and peoples whose lives are shattered. And you and I have the Holy Spirit. If we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us He's going to fill us with a love for those people, for the people that break his heart, for the poor, for people who have been stepped on all the time, down through all these years, and people who are in prison, and people whose lives have been shattered. And you think, that's just a lot. That is a a lot. What am I supposed to do about that? I mean, how am I supposed to start caring for people like that? One thing I always do is I always join a team. I'm on a lot of teams. Like, if you want to get involved with, pe- with people that break the heart of Jesus, like, I'm a, volunteer with, I'm a volunteer with Young Life, I'm a volunteer on the Knoxville International Network, I'm a volunteer with Bridge Refugee Services, and I'm a volunteer with um, Focus Prison Ministries out the prison. So I just get on a team, and they tell me what to do. So that's what I do. But one thing that I do think is that, one thing about the Gospel of Luke is the Gospel of Luke is a story of individuals. He tells the story of one Samaritan who was a leper out of 10 lepers, and one woman who came uninvited to a party, and one tax collector who was up a tree. Luke, the reason he told these stories is he talked to these people. He got to know them, people that he wouldn't have normally known get to know someone. Get to know people who come here from other countries, who've come from far away get to know people that you hear people talking about but if you get to know them and you find out they're people and you understand why they're precious there's a person that I really love um he's really really been a help to me um in understanding things his name is Brian Stevenson and I mean I don't know him or anything but I've listened to like a lot of his stuff but he's devoted his life to to criminal justice reform he's taught The things that he's, he's really, really devoted, the United States, by the way, has 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's incarcerated population. The the number of people in prison in 1972 was 250,000 in America, it's now 3.2 million. In the last 20 years, the number of women incarcerated has risen 650%. But he helped, He has devoted his life to get people who have been unjustly convicted off of death row sentences, off of, off of um, death sentences. They've, they've gotten 100, over 150 people, because he says one in nine people who was executed in the United States is innocent. But he said he's gotten over 150 people off of death row sentences because they didn't commit the crimes that they were going to be executed for, and he's just so sweet, and he loves Jesus, and he's super, super brave, and he's argued in front of the United States Supreme Court tons and tons of times. But he said, the thing that will help you to get have a heart for people that Jesus has a heart for and give myself to poor people and people that have been stepped on and people that are shattered, he said, you have to get proximate. You have to meet someone. He said, the first time a story that, um, well, so the first time he ever had to go to death row, he was working. He was a law student. And he didn't know anything. And he was working for a month in a place in Georgia that was a, like a, um, a nonprofit helping poor people with their, and he had to go on death row. They had never been in a prison. He had to go on death row to tell a certain inmate that he was not in danger of being executed in the next year. And um, so he was so scared, and he went in there, and he waited in the lawyer room, and they brought this young man in. And he was in chains, and he was, they were pushing him, and he had chains on his ankles and everything. And he just said they were so rough with him, and he had one hour. And he said, I don't know anything about the law. I don't know anything about jurisprudence. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the death penalty. I've just been sent here to tell you that you're not in danger of being executed in the next year. And he said, what did you say? I said a lot of things, he said, no, that last thing, oh, you're not in danger of being executed in the next year. He said, say it again. You're not in danger of being executed in the next year. He said, say it again. He said, you're not in danger of being executed in the next year. And he said, and the guy was, I'm so thankful because I haven't let my wife come here because I thought they were going to, and I didn't want her to deal with it, and I didn't want my kids to deal with it. Well, they just started talking. It turned out they were the same age. It turned out they had the same birthday. It turned out they had the same birth date. And they started laughing and talking, and they became friends. And an hour became two hours, which became three hours. And he said, "I just want to be in friends with this guy. I mean, he would he would relive twenty minutes of his life if he could, but they can't, you know." But and then and then he said, and then when the guards came in, they were super angry because they had been in there so long. But he had made this friend, and then they and they, so they got the guy and they shoved him against the wall and they put their chains. And Brian Stevenson tried to get him to stop it, and the guy said, "Don't worry about this, Brian. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just come back, Brian. Just come back." He said, I will, I'll come back. And then as they were shoving him out the door, he said, the inmate stuck his feet on the outside of the door, and they shoved him, and he didn't move. And he said he began to sing. He said, Brian said, it was a song I sang in church. I am pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining. Every day I'm praying as I'm homeward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And Brian Stevens said, I knew God was calling me to get convicted inmates on higher ground. And I knew that getting myself on higher ground was tied up with that. And so, like, I've never known inmates, you know, I didn't know anybody like that. And people in prison and convicted felons and all that stuff. And what are they like? And are they scary and dangerous? And almost everybody would relive. 20 minutes of their life if they could but they can't but so many of them that we know and love they've come to know Jesus Christ and they work hard to walk with him and they're in a very depressing place and they're kind they're sweet and they pray and they worship together, brown, black, white, Asian. They're brothers to each other. And I wish I could tell you what they're like. There's um, i found that this is a letter I found. This was during the coronavirus. I just got a letter from somebody that those of us who go up there just love. He would relive 20 minutes of his life if he could, but he can't. And this was, we were sending our DVDs of our services up there. Good morning, my brother. Well, well, how refreshing to get a word from you. It fills my heart to have such dear friends as you and the entire Triple C family. I am truly blessed to have befriended a wonderful group of people who are so spirit-filled and live a life for God and believe in the love that he is and has given to all of us. I miss you all, but God is so rich in glory, and he keeps us united in a way that COVID-19 doesn't stand a chance. God is truly good. As I was reading the card y'all sent, the service came on the TV, and my song rang through the TV. His own I am a child of the Maker of stars, the one who knows everything. Handmade my heart, and I got a little happy, and the joy, joy of tears filled my eyes because I know who holds me, and I hold him right back, and then just like whipped cream and sprinkles on top, you took my place. Yeah, the clapping was on then, and I cried out, "Thank you for being so, so good to me." Psalm 126, those who plant in tears will reap a harvest with shouts of joy. Be blessed. Take care. Stay safe. Love you much. Your brother. There's a kid. There's a, can I have one more minute? I was not going to do this, but there's just a young, there's um. he's not young, but he's up there. He probably weighs 120 pounds. He's 138. Um, no, I mean, he's, he's, um, he's 38 years old. He weighs about 100. He leads the choir. And he's, he went to prison when he was 12. And he got out when he was 15. Then he went in when he was 17. He's been there for since then. He's 38. And he loves Jesus like few people I know. And he told me, Tom, you need to pray. He, he told me he had just done a one-week fast. He had only drunk liquids. And I said... Kenny, what are you fasting for? He said, Tom, I want a prayer language. And I didn't have the heart to say, I don't know if I really believe in those. I wasn't going to tell him that. And I was like, God, if there is such a thing, give him one. (laughs) Give him one. Um, uh, He decided to tithe his money to Triple C, because he loves the people from Triple C that go there. And he said, Tom, I'm tithing to Triple C. $24 a month, that's all, that's, I said, you can't be giving 10% of your money to us. He said, Tom, that's 100% of my money. God told me to give 100% of my money to Triple C. The other day he was showing me something that God had showed him, and it was in his journal. and He'd written it in his journal, and I noticed that he started his prayer in his journal. Good morning, Father God. Good morning, King Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And then the other day, without thinking about it, I was writing in my journal about five in the morning. I said, good morning, Father God. Good morning, King Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Lord God, give us a heart for the people that you love, for the people that your heart breaks for. Um, I wanna be brave and I wanna go where you ask us to go. And I want to give my life to people that are broken, to people that break your heart, and to people who, who need the love of Jesus. Help us to have a heart for them, to learn to have a heart for them. Give us someone we could meet and know and care about and love. Change our heart and make us care about the things you care about in your precious name.
0: All right, let's sing out. Here we go. I want to pour out my heart. To risk it all, no holding back from the start. I'm not afraid to fall. You fill my life with love the way you care for me. So I set my heart above and give you every. I want to feel it, I want to say the word, live it, and breathe it. Love me when I was lost, when I ran you followed me. You paid the highest cost, you died to make me free. my weary heart you never stop watching me you promise will never